0: When I started out podcasting remotely, it was challenging, but then I found out about Zencaster's all-in-one web-based solution. It makes the process quick and painless the way it should be. Anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with the quality of video and audio production, and Zencaster provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video, not to mention it's easy to use. My guests who aren't even tech savvy can use it. And there's nothing to download. All they have to do is click on the link and, and join. And it's that easy. Let's talk about the quality. Zencaster can record up to 4K to give you the picture-perfect quality that your video deserves. Zencaster will also distribute your video podcast in 1080p to all available video podcast players. Zencaster is all about making the podcasting experience super easy. With everything from local recordings to automatic post-productions, you don't have to leave your browser to get the episode done. Go to ZenCaster dot com slash pricing and use my code IT tech talk all one word you'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencast Professional I want you and me to have the same experiences in creating great content for our shows Hello everyone, welcome to IT Tech Talk. I'm your host Joel Warden. With me is Scott. Scott, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Joel. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm actually excited. Uh, I was actually hyping this up. I actually got your email today about you were excited to go on, and I'm, I I love getting uh, emails like that from people when when they're really excited to go on. Um, yeah. So Scott, I I got to know you a little bit from your bio and from getting to volume on LinkedIn and stuff. But my listeners don't know you, so why don't you give a
1: little bit of background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I am running a company. Uh, It's called Berkeley Baratronic Systems, based out of Metouchie, New Jersey, Uh, probably about 30, 40 minutes outside of New York City. And uh, we're celebrating 50 years. It's our big anniversary this year, which is kind of cool and exciting. And and we're a design company. People bring us problems, and we provide solutions. Most of our focus has really been wireless threat detection tools, which is really stopping wireless threats from coming into secure spaces. And a lot of these are cyber threats because cyber criminals often will use wireless as a conduit to hack into different networks and cause all kind of havoc between cell phones, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, you name it. So a lot of our tools we're selling to USDOD agencies and secure facilities to keep spaces secure from any type of wireless threat. Um, And then just a a brief background that really got me heavily involved probably close to close to 10 years ago is um, speaking to a lot of companies and educating mostly customers and things like that. Um, sharing tips and this and that in the world of cybersecurity, I found that I had a target on my back. And what that means is cyber criminals started going after me. And what happened, it started with basically, you know, my credit card was compromised. My debit card was compromised, both personally and at my company. And it started to seem a little peculiar, strange. Then my my Twitter account got hacked. We received repeated uh, DDoS attacks, distributed denial of service attacks, flooding our online store, with junk traffic, so we couldn't take orders. Then we had $65,000 stolen out of our checking account. And the list goes on and on, became federal investigation, paperwork, emails, phone calls that dragged on. I finally got all of our money back and everything else. But I realized is no matter what I did, people, and these were really notorious hackers later on that I found out after doing research and going onto the dark web and learning about them, if they want to hack you and target you, they can. And that really got me heavily immersed in the cybersecurity space. A number of years ago, um, I was contacted actually um, uh, by, uh, I think it was Associated Press and they said that they heard that my company was hacked. And would I go on the record and share my experience, and I was like, Ooh, I don't want to say, Hey, here I am, you know, an expert in in wireless detection and cybersecurity and tell everybody I got hacked. And I said, all right, I'll share the story as long as I could share The mistakes I made what I learned in the process and hopefully educate other people so they don't go down the same path I went and and that really started the process so I wrote hacked again my first book had to learn how to write a book and finally after two years got it published and uh, learned a ton of things in the process and that really kind of put me on the map next thing I know I started getting phone calls and emails and interviews for radio and, and and TV and and uh speaking publicly, being hired for different security events and and traveling globally and speaking. So really got heavily immersed in the world of cybersecurity. And and ever since then I've been doing it and wrote another book, Cybersecurity is everybody's business. And then more recently, a senior cyber to help seniors that are being targeted and exploited by scammers and 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 hackers and cyber criminals. So that kind of fast forwards up to to where we are today. And Basically, I, I eat, live, sleep cyber all the time. So, I actually uh, really want
0: to ask you this. Uh, given that you were going to show, I knew you did cybersecurity stuff. Have you ever ran? I don't know if you listened to my episode with Doctor Eric Cole. It was my very first yeah, yeah, episode I actually did. with a yep. yeah. Okay, yeah, it was yeah, my very it was a great first cybersecurity. By the way, would you say
1: great episode? By the way, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, so it was my very first cybersecurity
0: interview, and it was very. He was such a big guy, and I was like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And and you were actually, I think it was a a week ago. I actually had someone who is in the um antivirus space, and then mm-hmm. I have you on today in the cybersecurity space as well. And you know, one of the things I want to touch on is, is I love getting to talk to cybersecurity analysts and and cybersecurity people in general, just because there's so many different attacks in the world now. Like we live in a world full of just, like you said, scam calls and scam oh, emails, bro. and I receive at least um. Since I've taken myself public, since my podcast has gone live, since I've written books, since I've publicly made myself on LinkedIn as a professional entrepreneur, I get daily scam calls scam emails mm-hmm. stuff like that to my work email to my business email uh to my uh podcast email to everything i use i get c- tons of that and and uh, one of the things i actually thought was really interesting was your senior uh cyber book uh, i haven't read it uh because i myself have taken a couple cyber security classes and understand that you mm-hmm. don't respond to just random emails if it says hey here's your tracking number we need you to pay for your package or or hey this um your cell phone provider uh, forgot your credit card information to pay your bill. Any All those are things that I normally get. I'm like, or my mom, which she actually had her card stolen one time because she responded to one that said, Apple, uh, your account's been hacked. Apple needs your credit card information. And which I walked her through whenever there's an issue. Do not open these emails. Do not respond to them. And and if you go on your account and look and don't see a problem, then you know it, it was probably more likely a cybersecurity threat. Uh, so I, I'm always fascinated to talk with people about cybersecurity. because there's so many attacks in the world. And it's fascinating to hear that you yourself, when you went public, faced all these attacks. And it's like, yeah, they're out there. And even people Mm -hmm. who have the strongest security still face those threats.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and nobody really is immune to it. And they do tend to target elderly and seniors more so. And and a lot of my research for the book, I thought was kind of fascinating. The things I learned in the process because I had to interview a lot of the people that were older people that I knew. And then also people that I didn't even know just to get their pulse and what, what the typical scam sounds like, what to look for. So it was educating myself so I can in turn educate my readers. And it was interesting because the common theme that came up is elderly people tend to have a little more time on their hands. So they're a little more responsive. They give time to these scams. If we're busy and you're running a business, and you see an email, if it looks fishy, delete. You don't even have time to read it. You, you learn to spot it quick. You move on, move on. Somebody a little older goes, oh, it looks like I just won this prize. Let me learn learn a little bit more. Click, go to a website, redirect. Oh, all I got to do is validate my information. Well, they already have my name and my address there. They must know me. Okay, great. Oh, and it's a company I heard of. They just need the last four digits of my credit card. Okay, boom. Oh, wait, now they're asking for something else for security purposes to verify my social security number. Well, they showed part of, the, part of the number. Let me provide the rest. That means they know me and it must be legit. You know, little tells that are it looks convincing. It looks too good to be true. It probably is. And, and those things seem to be repetitive in all the different types of scams that I've seen targeting the elderly. Build trust, build confidence in the, in the person, which is really a form of social engineering, trying to manipulate them, building trust. To, to garnish some, some critical pieces of information that they can then use to hack and get into your accounts, steal money, compromise your identity, whatever the scam is. And I've analyzed hundreds of these different types of scams, and they all have that very similar theme, especially targeting the elderly. And, and oftentimes, they also will use, I, I think, the phone, interestingly. And I kind of draw a corollary in the book talking about that. M- maybe when our generation, I be a little bit older than you, but grew up, we didn't have rotary phones on the wall, but yet an older generation, my grandparents' age, or even my parents, they grew up there's one house phone, it's rotary on the wall. If that phone rang within two rings, you picked it up and said, "Hello, Shoba residents. May I help you nowadays? My kids, the phone rings at home. Nobody answers it. They text they don't communicate the same way. There's not that same etiquette and urgency to answer a phone and respond and be truthful on the phone so. Cyber criminals know this, so they're targeting elderly, they're targeting senior homes, they're calling their landline phones, and they're giving it a sense of uh, urgency to whatever it is. Hey, Mr. Smith, this is the fraudulent department from your bank. And then they say, oh, is this is is this John with, with Bank of America? Yes, this is John. Uh, Mr. Smith, I just wanted to tell you that there's suspicious activity on your account. We need to, for your, you know, your sake, to confirm a few details so we could stop this before we lose all your money. And that and they step them through and that, that sense of urgency and trust, they divulge a little bit more, a little bit more. Next thing you know, their account is wiped out. And those scams happen every single day. And it's really sad. So I try to deal with those and step people through it and give them some of the visuals, what the screen looks like, the way they ask the questions, and how it leads them down a path. And instead of doing that, what you can do instead. And I think that's really what, what kind of the, the, the important tips to takeaways that I try to share one in particular is uh, put the defense on the cyber criminal, ask them a few questions, stop the conversation and say, you know what? Hey, bank of whatever. I'm so glad you called me. This is really important. First, before anything else, I don't want to get disconnected. What's your name and your phone number and what happens typically click the phone hangs up. So if, if you throw it back to them and put them on the defense where they have to provide a little bit of information that you're vetting them and kind of testing to see if they're who they are, that will actually help, and, and probably about nine out of ten times, conversation over. So little simple tips like that don't cost money, don't cost any time, but it allows you to control the conversation and protect your personal information.
0: I like that, and, and honestly, you know, I remember one time I got this phone call, and it came up as a local number, and I was like, it was it was interesting because I was like, well, this is weird because. If you call me from local number, well, maybe it's work related. So I answer, and they said mm-hmm. the it was a, it was an Indian man and nothing against Indians. But it was I, I literally know that this man did not work for the IRS. He was like, I work for the IRS. Uh, you have twenty thousand dollars in back taxes you owe. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't owe any back taxes. I just I I submit everything to the IRS. I know my business is up to date. I know everything's up to date. I said, you're not owe anything. He was like, well, sir. If you do not respond to this, they will send police to your home and you'll be arrested. I was <laughs> like, well, one, I know that's not true because I know I paid. And I was like, I kept redirecting him back. I was like, um, where, where are you located and stuff? And, and why, if you're really located in the, uh, in at the IRS, it sounds like you're at a call center. And he was like, no, no, I'm, I'm so and so from the IRS. And then I got mouthy with him and he was like, I'm calling the police and send him to your house. And I just hung up and police never showed up, but it's yeah. scams like that. You're talking about that. They don't just target. Old people, they sometimes target younger people yeah. because younger people now, because the older generation is starting to slip away, the younger generation has also very susceptible because they're not as educated uh, cybersecurity-wise to this, And they'll be like, Oh no, like you're, you're telling me my, my, um, my pin code to my, my pass or, you know, something related mm-hmm. to their Twitch streaming or their YouTube account or something has been compromised. They will instantly give up information. Uh, I actually recently had a client cause I'm also in the MSP business, um, come to me and she said that she had a guy work on her printer on over the over the computer she gave him access to her computer instead of calling me which is her her person that who does her computer work um she was quickly wanting to get it done so she emailed a a tech guy and he logged mm-hmm. into her computer downloaded all her banking information that she kept on her computer she's an older lady and instantly got locked out of her system yeah um yep. I was able to regain control of the system, but her, all her information was totally wiped. He had wiped her computer, wiped her banking information, everything and stole Damage it. And, done. and we had to, I helped her file all the necessary reports. I went, I emailed the FBI cyber crimes and like told him mm-hmm. what happened. But like, other than that, like I told her, I was like, you're going to need to get, call your bank and stuff because at this point there's nothing else you can do. And I told her, I was like, look. Whenever, if your printer goes down, please call me. I know I know it's about pricing. We can work something out. I will do it for free. I just don't want to see, this lady is like a mom to me. I was like, I don't want to see you going through this again. Uh, luckily, she was able to get her bank information back under control before he was able to take money out. But it's still the fact that that happens regularly and it happens all across the U.S., A lot of times, like I have a server rack I talked about in my, um, the antivirus, uh, um one, I have a server rack in my office and it runs my podcasting files, all my networks for my business, uh, all my business client information, everything's on there. And, uh, recently I actually had a penetration attack on the server and I have a a very high security on that server. I have a VPN as well. And I remember getting an alert on my phone that there was someone trying to enter it and I shut the network down for a little bit until I was able to fix the, the port and all that stuff and get Mm -hmm. all that under control. But there's still, it happens everywhere. And what people don't understand when it comes down to like security and passwords and, and biometrics and all that stuff to keep you safe. Um, you know, the, the average password I, I, I wanted to ask you, this is one of the questions I want to ask you. I'm getting into it. Uh, I recently read an article and I want to see if you'll back me up on this uh, about biometrics are becoming more standard as the passcode for products, websites, PayPal, uh, all this stuff due to the security of them versus a password. What are your thoughts on that as, as far as passwords go? And, and we can make them as secure as we want. What are your thoughts on biometrics and, and, and passwords in general? Oh, yeah.
1: Well, I think if you if you compare passwords to biometrics years ago... Biometrics were not that secure. Um, And and what do I mean by that? A a funny story, case in point, I think this happened in Australia. These were with ATM machines many years ago. Cyber criminals learned they can go up to an ATM machine and they could basically rub the fingerprint because it was a biometric fingerprint that gave authentication to a card. They'd stick their card in, biometrically put their finger on there, and it would unlock the account. So what they would do was use a skimmer in there to steal the actual credit card information off the mag stripe on the card, and then they would take as a sausage and warm it up because it had actually it would measure the temperature to make sure it was 98.3 or something like that. In the actual sensor, they'd roll a sausage that was warmed off, and then they could roll it back on, and they could use the skimmer put the information back in, and they could empty the account out of all the money. That was old school biometrics, not secure. The world has changed greatly now to the point where biometrics are actually very secure. So if you look at something like facial recognition, uh, if you take like like your iPhone, for example, very secure. It's really hard to crack something. Nothing's 100%, but it's really hard to do. Cyber criminals are going to go and try to hack a passcode or a password far more likely than a secure biometrics these days. And, and why is that? Because there's only a limited number of Uh, possible choices, guessing a password. And what do they do? They do is they take different types of attacks. You may have heard about a dictionary attack where they take every common word in the dictionary that's seeded into the guesses in trying to do a brute force where they're trying to guess all the attacks. And they can do about a million passwords per second guesses. So if you think about that, that's pretty advanced. Now you couple that with compromised databases. So in other words, they'll buy all the Yahoo passwords that have been 3 billion people's password for their email that's been compromised and LinkedIn and Home Depot and Target, all these other passwords. They amass all that, put it into an automatic program that can actually plug in all of these things. And the fact that people still, was it the, the data that I read the other day, I think it was 52% of the average computer internet user still reuses the same password across multiple logins. So that means if they've got a database of billions of compromised passwords and they go to all the popular sites and try to get into your account, pretty good chance, more than 50% chance they're going to get into your account if you reuse that same password across multiple logins. There it is. So it's not that difficult to really hack into someone's account. I've tried it for fun, for research, and was able to successfully get into people's accounts, most of them through combination of social engineering and using some tools to help me. And I don't consider myself a a hacker or cyber criminal where I'm actively doing this every day. I'm trying to be a good guy on on the defense and trying to help companies and educate. But it shows how easy it is to do. So when you start to think like a cyber criminal, you're going to always gravitate toward that low hung fruit, the easy hacks, guessing passwords. So what does that mean for us when our passwords are long and complex and kind of abstract where there's no name in there or nothing that could identify it to us, then they're gonna be impossible to remember. They'll be really hard to hack. There's kind of that corollary. Um, I use a good password manager. That's what I always recommend to people. The password's probably gonna be 15 to 20 characters long, completely obscure, or use a good keychain login if you're using like an Apple environment, Safari or something like that. Something where it's creating that really long password that you don't have to sit there and remember. It stays encrypted. That's what's important. You control the master password to actually access to you know your entire password vault. And that, that's what I think makes a big, big difference. For super secure passwords, I still use my old rule of thumb, write them down in a little black book and layers of security, password book, locked in a safe, locked in an office, locked in a building, cameras, alarm, so on and so forth. Layers of security will deter any thief from trying to hack in. But, I still think passwords are coming along um, slowly and people are not learning enough about them. Eventually, it's going to go passwordless, hopefully, because if you look at where we are now in the stream of times, look at what quantum computing is doing and the power of some of these supercomputers of the future. They're going to be able to instantly hack a password, be it obscure 20 characters long. So soon those days are going to change greatly. What is the future? I think combinations, layers of security and biometric security is is definitely a must going forward. So on top of that, uh, which I want
0: to, I want to bring up a comment on that. So we're talking about um, layers of security and and how biometrics are going to probably play a good role in that. And also passwords changing or using like places like LastPass and stuff. Well, excuse me, LastPass and stuff. What about when these sites offer these two-factor authentications. Is that mm-hmm. another good way to deter hackers right. from getting into sites? Is that is that something you think is a good idea? Is it something that is worthwhile to these sites to bring on two-factor authentication?
1: Uh, it's an excellent idea. I think a lot of people – again, you don't want to fool yourself in saying multi-factor, two-factor authentication means I'm 100% safe. And a lot of people have done that. They've migrated over to that and saying, well, well, now I'm Okay. Because we already know that multi-factor, two-factor authentication is extremely easy to bypass. There's a lot of vulnerabilities built in. However, that being said, it's probably a hundred times more secure than just using your traditional login credentials. And that's what people don't realize: doing nothing is not doing something. It's it's easy to hack in if you just if you're if you're using password one two three. Guess what? Everybody's going to be able to hack into your account. If you're using an abstract long, strong password, it's going to be a lot harder, but it's not impossible. But if you're adding in that additional layer, as you mentioned, it's brilliant when you use two-factor authentication, multi-factor authentication, add in another layer with maybe bi- biometric authentication, it's going to get even better. So we ha- we can't be afraid of how long it takes to maybe log into a platform. If I want to make a phone call and I use you know facial recognition, that's instant. That, that really is nice. It's better than me looking and trying to enter in my passcode to get my phone to light up. So things are getting better, but I think we really need to be willing to wait and be patient and take the extra steps for multi-factor authentication using these advantages so hackers can't get in and and compromise our devices and, and our accounts. I, I like that. And and one of the things
0: that I think is, is fascinating with, with how things have changed, even in the last, I'm only 31. So in the last 30 years of seeing technology and, and, and encryption and all that stuff change, Uh yeah. it's drastically changed how we, like you were talking about quantum computing. It's like uh, uh watching um places like IBM and, and Microsoft and all these companies come up with these huge quantum computers. And um, like you said, it's going to change the way how that hackers hack and, and, we have to be acknowledging the fact that one of the things I like to do in my passwords is use that. My form of method is like, if, if it's not something that it's, in, it's not my name, it's not like something I do is something that, and I use symbols and letters and mix them all mm-hmm. together. And, and a lot of, I was actually using LastPass for a while, but a lot of the times I use a quick little, like, Hey, I'm just going to mix a bunch of letters up. And then like you said, and this is something I do keep it in a book write it down i actually have it printed out on a paper deleted the file off my computer and then stuck it in a safe and yeah. so like it's in the safe in of my office so if some if I, if i'm paying bills or something and i need to log into that site i will go to the safe have the list of sites i need to log into boom it's right there now yeah. not to say that my sites now the apps on my phone are already logged in but like if they get if i get logged out boom there's a the list and and mm-hmm. that's how i do it i agree with that 100% because they can't, they have to break into my house, then break into my office door, then break into my safe, which all of it is secured by cameras at my house, which are all on my network, which are all connected mm-hmm. to my phone. So if you break in, I'll still see you. And by the time you get in, the police will be here. So it's like the alarm will go off. The cameras will go off. Everything will go off. And by the time you even get in there to get my passwords, what's the point? So I, mm-hmm. I do agree with that, with that. Um, Thought process of getting like writing it down putting it in a black book and storing it and yeah. and and only giving access to that and if something happens to you giving access to your um uh was a um, beneficiary not beneficiary but whoever's taking over your will and estate to make sure they have access to that that's the only person you should be giving access to that safe or that combination uh and in my opinion i don't let anybody mm-hmm. else in that safe other than who's my beneficiary list um and also my lawyer who handles all my legal things in case something happens to me, they need to be able to get that, to get my will, to get all that stuff taken care of. And it's all right there, uh, ready to go. So I a hundred percent agree with that.
1: Um, Real quick. It does make a big difference. Yeah. I think the layers of security. I think if it. think about like important documents. You're you're an executor to someone's estate. Where are you going to keep that paper? Probably in a lockbox in in a bank. Why? Because it's got layers of security. It allows you also to distance yourself from that. If your house burns down, it's protected, it's fireproof, it's waterproof, it's, it's theft proof for the most part, but again, not 100% secure. So you have to make, I think, reasonable balances and choices in the world of cybersecurity so you could still live, but at the same time, you could stay protected. And the funny thing is, you notice most of the things we're talking about don't require money. That's what people always do. The biggest misconception in cybersecurity, and I, and I speak at a lot of companies, And the first thing they're like, all right, Scott, how much is it going to cost me? We don't have a $10 million budget or this much or that much like JP Morgan or this or that. And I'm like, a lot of these best practices just require time and discipline and basic training. Once you can get past that hurdle, and and of course, it's got got to be done throughout an organization. If it's a one-person company or if it's a 50-person or 100 company, janitor to CEO, once they understand the best practices and implementing it, Then the entire organization will stay safe. And that's before you try to spend any money. So that's what people need to realize. Don't don't focus on the cost. Focus on the educational side and the practical side. And that can improve your cyber hygiene greatly.
0: So I want to ask you real quick. We're getting close to our time, but I want to Mm -hmm. ask you, what – what companies would you recommend for like, and, and actually, this is, this is, this is, I feel like a multi question. Uh, what companies would you recommend to my users as far as like LastPass or, or a password company or, or, or even a VPN company that they know would be secured to keep their IP safe or, or their password safe? What are companies you recommend mm-hmm. as, as a, as a cybersecurity uh, specialist?
1: I'll give you a couple of rules of thumb and I'll throw a few names out there. So I'm not biased to any one particular company. Um, We talked about uh, biometric security, a great company that does some incredible things, BioKey International. They're based out of New Jersey, actually. Great group of people. I've worked with them. I've talked to them. I've presented with them. Um, They understand authentication, and, and I think that's what's really important. They're one of the leaders in the space. They license a lot of their technology, their IP, intellectual property, to other companies that understand authentication. Um, if we talked earlier about keeping your information secure in the dark web and doing audits and early alerts. Uh, a great company that I use, I, I'm a board member there too, so again, I am biased, but like to mention CyberLytica. They do dark web audits, instantly alert you if there's any problem. If your name, your email and stuff appears in a recent breach, you're instantly notified. You can jump on, change your password before somebody takes over your account. It's affordable. It's effective. That's really important. Um, you, you mentioned password managers. Uh, one that I personally use, and I've used a bunch of them. I personally have used Dashlane. Love it. Easy to use. Affordable. And I could say it this way nicely: it's the only com- It's the only password manager that I know of that has not been breached yet. So, uh, if that helps at all, uh, another great company. We didn't talk about this much, but a big problem as we get malware on our phones, our laptops, this and that, Uh, key loggers. It's a strain of malware that logs every keystroke if you're typing. So if you're logging into your bank and I'm typing in Bank of America, password 1234, my username, every single keystroke, it actually records that, puts that into a buffer, emails it out. They parse it, pull out the information. Now they go in and take over your accounts. So what do you need? An anti-key logger, good company, uh, Strikeforce Technologies, they build low-cost, affordable anti-key loggers. I think it's like $30 or something. And you could secure your, your phone, your laptop, your computer, so on and so forth. Simple to use and doesn't really affect you. Every keystroke that you make, it's encrypted. So if they steal your information with a key logger, all they get is a bunch of gar- garbily gook that's encrypted. So I, I try to use simple, proven things that are affordable and easy to use. That gets you over the barrier of, Expensive and technical, because everybody gets overwhelmed right away. I think in the world, whether it's consumer, small business, or even enterprise level, when it gets too complex, people don't use it. It's money that's spent, and then it's pushed aside. So I, I like to, to to use balance whenever I recommend things and, and try it myself. And Am I going to use this? Is it effective? Do I feel more secure? Am I more secure? What threats has it stopped? Those type of things I think are really important. There is an endless supply of anti-malware and virus software, this and that. You know what? Are they needed? Yes, absolutely. Do I use it? Yes. However, keep in mind, it only stops about 15 to 20% of the actual attacks that come to your computer. So what is that telling you? It means about 80% is getting through. So we have to be careful and use layers of security to fight all these different problems.
0: That's awesome. Uh so we're actually have we have nine minutes left. Real quick, uh, I, I'm I'm hoping we can answer this question real quick in a nine minute section. I'm um it's one I wanted to ask you and I, I didn't realize okay. we were that that close. Um YubiKey or UB whatever they call it, is is YubiKey something that people should look into is it something worthwhile i mean i've seen it on the market i've seen all these different keys come up it's like a physical key is that something worthwhile looking into or should you just go to these other companies you just recommended and use them as far as like storing your passwords and stuff or
1: using them as, as like the the biometrics um yes i think it's a it's a good option i think it comes down to the person and what what are you trying to protect i would say identify your assets Identify what you're trying to protect. If, if the, the goal is to have X number of passwords that you're trying to protect, how many and what are you logging into? Because in some cases for my most secure passwords and my most secure logins, when I'm logging to government websites and payment portals and things like that, I don't trust anybody else. I, I, I keep it under my safe in my hands, the little black book as we talked about, because it's in my control. If XYZ company gets compromised tomorrow Guess what? I may just be another statistic. Yeah, my data is encrypted and it's hashed and it's stored in a secure server, this and that, supposedly. But there's redundancy. It's on a second server. And oh, yeah, it's AES 256-bit encryption. Can that be hacked? Sure, it has been. So you have to ask yourself, how secure is the information? Uh, YubiKey, I've tried it. It works. It is secure. It, it, it's a, a physical key that you put in. So it's it's like a a uh, authentication method. It's something that you have, with, like your phone, similar to that, a key that you physically put in. And people can make a quick corollary to that, and I think it works effectively that way. The, the natural question is, well, what if I forget my key? What if I lose my key? What if somebody steals my key? Those other questions come out that each individual has to answer. But I always tell people, try it. Read the reviews. PC Magazine does a great review every year on the top password managers. Uh, what are the best? and The goods and the beds, and that's an unbiased source. If you talk to 10 different cybersecurity experts, guess what? They're going to recommend 10 different products. So I always say go to a source that's independent, that has no vested interest. Um, and again, I don't have a vested interest in Dashlane. I've used it. I've tried it. I've used a few others. I've tried it. I tend to like their platform. That's, again, my personal opinion. Um, they're not paying me. I'm not endorsing it or anything. But I think each person needs to try what they're comfortable with because there's also different. What are you working? Are you, are you an Android person? You're working in Apple, iOS, very different, right? Different worlds. So different tools and different applications work effectively for different people, um, if that helps at all. That does. Uh, Well, Scott,
0: it's been a pleasure having you on. I was really so excited about today's interview, and I really hope that my listeners have got some information they can use. Uh, Scott, again, thank you so much. It's been an honor.
1: Yeah, thanks again for having me on. Keep up the great work and all that you're doing. Enjoyed some watching some of your shows and everybody out there, stay safe. Thank you so much. And for those tuning in, um, we just haven't, we just
0: launched a new website. It is not at a domain yet. We are still working on getting the domain secured. Uh, so if you want to visit the website, you can go to the link tree on Instagram. There's the link trees on Instagram uh, and click all the links for the show. It also has links. Uh, of the show on the website as long as well as a guest portal where you can sign up if you're interested in being a guest on the show it has a guest portal with an intake form where you can set up and give me your information your bio all that stuff we just added that so i'm excited to see what that brings forth for new guests uh there is uh sponsorships on there for our our sponsors that sponsor the show so thank you so much for that uh and yeah thank you all for tuning in and i'll catch you next one